parents came from India, lots of people living in one house, families living in one bedroom, and then parents working very hard and then getting into Western culture, with the drinking and the meat, that kind of stuff, which wasn't probably traditionally as much of our culture in terms of our family. Uh, and so Barak is in a bigger gate, I guess. <laughs> and then um, that was that was growing up and you just you just knew what you knew. So the things that I would see growing up, it was just all I knew. So it was it was normal for me. So a lot of conflict in the family, a lot of getting drunk, having fights, not with me because I was a kid, but seeing um, kind of relatives, uncles, brothers getting into um, kind of drunken brawls and that kind of stuff. A lot of um, keeping keeping face. So you'd go to a lot of family parties. You might have conflict in your family, but then you'd go to a family party on a Saturday and you'd dress up and you'd dance and everything would be r really rosy on the outside. But then you'd come back and it'd still be the same issues and that kind of stuff. And my my dad passed away when I was young. So he passed away when I was four and he passed away on Christmas Boxing Day. And the circumstance are a bit unique because he used to work for British Airways, which isn't unique. Probably every, every <laughs> uncle in West London worked for British Airways. But uh, we used to get free flights. He sent us to Canada. I was with my mama over, over Christmas and then we got called to say that he's... he's um, he had a stroke, he wasn't going to make it. So we had to come back before they would turn the machines off uh, just to say our goodbyes. But he wasn't He wasn't there when we got back, really. And so then my mum brought me and my brother up. And I think that was probably really challenging for her. Mm -hmm. She had my brother who was a, a, a rebel. And as much as she wanted to parent him through the traditional approaches of beating us with a dende and... Um, and Kartiya and uh, that kind of uh, traditional Punjabi parenting approach, I don't, I don't think he responded very well to that. So, although it might have worked in the very short term, it didn't really change his beha behavior long term. And I think seeing a lot of my brother and my mum's relationship put me off doing a lot of stuff because I would see her cry a lot, and I'd see you know he'd go out, wouldn't come home. I see the impact it was having on her. And then that put me off drinking. It put me off uh, a lot of things. So, and then, you know, in hindsight, it's God's grace that went through all of those things because I don't know if I would be in Sikki today if I hadn't been through all of those things then. But at the time, it was it was a difficult period, although that's all I knew. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound like a sob story because everyone has challenges. Yeah. And everyone goes through difficult periods when they're growing up or, you know, in married life and adulthood. And I just feel blessed to be where I am today. If I take the positives for it, there's there's lots of positives. Like I have a wonderful family. Uh, I have a great relationship with my mom. I have really great sangat and I get to have opportunities like this. So I'm really blessed. I'm interested in your um, journey towards Sikhi. Because you said there was a there was not much exposure growing up to Sikhi, and um, so I'm just curious as to how how you kind of started to connect with spirituality. Yes, yeah, so I think 
I think it's probably a common experience for men to get to a certain age. I think I was probably about 17, 18, and I thought there's got to be more to life. And when I did the last basics podcast, I kind of forgot to talk about this part. But there's a few people I know who got to that age, got to that university age, and they mm -hmm. thought, you know, they, they're kind of independent. They can make their own minds up about stuff. It's not about, oh, my mom told me this, so mm -hmm. that's what I have to believe now. And they can do their own research. And I think a lot of men go on a bit of a quest at that point in their lives, and they try and figure out who they are, who they want to be, what is the meaning of life, you know, what what is, why am I here, all of those kind of questions. And for me, I started reading a lot of, I started reading into Buddhism and other religions and then um, got to go to boss camp. So that was probably my introduction into Sikhi was that period at university where I was going through a process of self-discovery and trying to figure out who I was and, you know, what's the point of life and what's the point of all of this. Mm. And And those questions weren't really asked in my family. It was more just, you know, you, you go through the motions and you do what you're supposed to do. You you do the obligatory kind of family events and and socializing and, and then you do your own stuff. But it, the deeper questions in terms of how are you doing, like no one ever asked those questions. And so I think it was, you get to a point where you're, you're kind of thinking, I need to I need to figure out how I'm doing on the inside yeah, and not worry too much about this university course or getting through this coursework and all of those kinds of things that seem big at that period of time, but overarching, they're not as important as your mental health. So, you know, when you were on that search for kind of purpose and like, you know, is there more at that point you'd been through all of the things you've, you mentioned and, I know you also have were really into training and I Yeah, so yeah. my my cohort of friends, we all we were all from single parent families. Uh, our fathers had either left or had passed away and we all were probably troubled in a way. I remember being sent to this youth club for people who had high potential but were who were trouble. <laughs> So he just sent me to this after school club, which it wasn't, we just, it wasn't that Cause productive. more trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it kind of kept us off the street. And there was this whole, we had bad one in Southall at that period of time, which was, a, it used to be an old Gurdwara. Then Uncle Roshi, who's a, a bit of a legend in Southall, turned into a wrestling Akara. And so we had keys to that place. And that whole old school mentality was if people are training, they stay off the streets, they won't go into drugs. And so there was a, a push towards, okay, let's get kids, let's get the youth into training. It'll keep them off the streets, keep them yeah. off gang fights and drugs and, and that kind of stuff. So I, that was that was probably a really important thing at that period of time. So do you feel it really helped with kind of... Yeah, I think I could have gone either way. I think the training gave me a sense of focus and direction. Yeah. It gave me something to do as well. Yeah, I think um, for me anyway, idle, idle thumbs are the devil's workplace. I think when I've don't have anything to do. It's not necessarily the best use time for me. Um, I know you're really different, but <laughs> so keeping busy with training, having that discipline, having that kind of regimented life, not having a dad growing up and not having any routine or discipline or focus that, that kind of whole army 
or monk kind of lifestyle really appealed to me of mm. having this is the time you wake up this is the time you train yeah. this is ha- this is how many hours you train for this is what you eat and you know that that lifestyle really added some structure when i didn't have any structure in my life so that probably kept me away from a lot of other things that would have potentially lured me away into more negative paths and i think that's again probably something similar for a lot of males i i think it's a biological need for men to train there's lots of men that i've spoken to who are married and they're completely different in their relationship if they're training and if they're not training so i think it is something that we potentially easily drop but it's a very important mechanism for maintaining our mental health is just to keep on top of our training you're smiling i can vouch for that <laughs> <laughs> but when but, you're when you're training you're um i don't know just more relaxed less tense um yeah it's yeah. it's weird because when i was going through those formative years you have all this kind of nervous energy and aggression testosterone whatever it is and just training just kind of burns you out in a way and yeah. then you're just you're serene after that and until the next day and then you train again and then you feel great again but it is great to have some kind of regulating mechanism before mm. you get into spirituality yeah or even afterwards it's great to have something that can balance you out whenever you're going through the highs and lows and for me at that period of time as well my home life was really turbulent so i used to have a lot of conflict with my brother we used to have physical fights we um i um yeah you can go into detail if you want <laughs> but we used to have a lot of uh, you you know some of the physical fights that me and my brother used to have and so there's a lot of violence and a lot of conflict at home because he was living one way of life I was live, trying to live another not mm. doing a very good job at it but he he was the elder in the family so he kind of felt squashed and and not free to live the life he wanted and then we would have conflict over that and then it, there was a lot of there was a lot of fighting at home and then with my mom she's stuck in the middle so mm. she would try things like locking us both out of the house in the cold at night but that that um we would then band together and figure out a way to get back in the house but um it didn't it didn't solve the kind of underlying issues that me and my brother had and other issues that were going on at that period of time so training gave you something that was consistent whereas at that period of time people were very inconsistent people were you know your friend one day and then next day you're trying yeah. to kill each other and so that was that consistency that wasn't dependent on anybody was really helpful and the kinds of people that I was training with they were all really good people so mm. god's grace um my skipper fell into a really good crowd that was like you know don't get into drugs don't get into this kind of stuff they didn't they had very disciplined lives so it kind of rubbed off on me a little bit So what does it seem as if like in some ways the sangha and the training kind of helped to offset some of the the earlier struggles or the, or the struggles that were happening at that time because you know like from a psychology perspective you know we talk about how our early experiences shape us and sometimes we believe that they brand us for life for example um which I don't believe to be true but you know I'm just thinking that in the terms of person you started to become and are now how big do you think those childhood experiences what kind of how big is the part that they play now i mean do they feel cuz you talk about them as if you know you can see how they've made you the person you are now um but do you feel they still have 
any kind of underlying negative impact or do you feel that actually you're in a completely different place? I've tried to explore that and I've tried to think about, do I need to think about some of the stuff I saw or experienced when I was a kid and the impact it potentially had on me and why that means I'm like this or that means I did this. And I, I don't think that's for me is a helpful line to go down. I agree mm. with more what Benji's philosophy yeah. is, is, is that you can you know be anything you want to be if you just got to work on yourself and and the past doesn't define you so that that kind of stuff has worked better for me and so if i just focus on the present moment and the things that i'm working on i am a lot happier and do a lot better than if i focus on oh, you know why did that person do that to me or how could how could this person let this happen and all of that kind of stuff i feel like is is not productive is not helpful. I, I personally don't feel like it's helped me to go down yeah. those ro roads. Whereas when I think about if if I had gone down those roads, I probably wouldn't have been where I am today and probably would not have got into Sikhi and probably would not have just tried with earnest to, to go down that path because yeah. I would have thought, oh, I could never do that because of yeah. this or because of that or because of my family or because of, uh, and my friends, my training friends, they're still my friends today, the same friends I've had for 30, 30, mm -hmm. 32 years. I still have the same friends today. And they're really good people. And they're martial artists. And I think martial artists or people who train, they, they generally have quite good characteristics as people. And I think that's really been really helpful for me to have people like that around who I can rely on, I know I can call them two o'clock in the morning, I know they would be there if I ever had a problem, if I know they wouldn't do things like talk about me behind my back, mm. just little basic things which are more of the old school mentality, which probably people don't connect with as much today, but going back a generation or two generations ago, those kind of like, yeah, dosti, that, you know, that yeah. Hindi song. You know, yeah. I, I sing Do you to want to sing it for us? <laughs> No, usually singing it around we, the house. We can maybe copyright <laughs> laws and stuff. But that that yeah. kind of Indian relationship and that kind of bond that you can have with somebody who's not a family member, I think traditionally that was more of a big thing. In Punjab, when I was a kid, I'd see men walking, holding hands, that kind of stuff together, and just really close friendships where it's like you're more than family. You're you're mm. just you're bonded. Um, you're like this this deep connection that you have with with a friend but yeah that that isn't as apparent nowadays mm -hmm. and I really like those relationships that I've got to form I feel really blessed to have those and, the, and the, those people have really helped because regardless of Sikhi I feel like they they loved me before and they still love me now and I, in a way, I kind of really value those relationships because I feel like they're not my friends because of who they think I am or who I look like I am. But they're people that I've known for so long that they love me regardless of whether I choose to go down this path or or that kind of stuff. And I feel blessed to have those kind of friends and family members and connections in my life. I think that's a really important point. Like we say, Jesse Sangat Vesi Rangat, that whoever you spend your time with, you become like them. Um, and like you said, you know, it's been God's grace, Guruji Di Kirpa, that you found that right Sangat. Mm. But what would you suggest to anybody who feels like they don't have that? I mean, even in the kind of world that you're talking about, the training world, it's so easy 
to get down the wrong path where, you know, there's kind of steroids involved and things like that, which can can be the complete opposite of what you're talking about, which is, you know, it, it's focusing on your health, it's the discipline, um, and it's good for your mental health. So what would you suggest? What what should people be looking out for? Or what, what can people do to kind of yeah help them find that that kind of good company yeah i think i think don't be fooled by the way somebody looks so don't think just because somebody is single just because they're not or just because mm. they look like a certain way that they know what they that they're good people mm. so i think if you there's certain characteristics like you know there's lots of people in this room right now and i can think of many characteristics of each person that makes them I would love to have those characteristics. And I think when you when you when you come from that place and you can take good from the people you're around and you and there's a lot of good in those people, then that's you're really fortunate to be in that position, regardless of whether they're Sikhs, a different religion, whatever they look like or um or whatever their background is. And so I think if you really there's a chapter in Bhairama Singh's book and he says that he used to pray for uh, Sangat, and then he, somehow he found this family. He used to do Amritvala every morning, and then he did Amritvala with them for a really long period of time, years. And I, I feel like if you if you generally want to come into contact with somebody, if you're in the right place, like Benji, you say when the mm -hmm. student is ready, the teacher will appear. So I think if <laughs> <laughs> you invented that, so I think if you if you really have that bias and that hunger and that book inside you, I think God will introduce you to certain people. And then I think it's up to you to be in the, the that vessel, to be in the right you know, yeah. condition, to be able to take that advice or to be able to look at that person's gun and not their avgun and all of those kind of things. And I think when you come from a background like mine, um, it's easier <laughs> to see people's gun because you've, you don't have any yourself. Uh, and then it's you kind of see, oh, you know, that, that I'd love to be like that. I'd love to be as polite as this person or... I'd love to have that kind of relationship with with my mum or that kind of stuff. And then you can you can pick up on all of these things. But there's a family that I, I used to pray for a family to assume with. And then I met them and uh, they I don't know where I'd be without them, because for years they really kept me on the straight and narrow. Just they used to do similar together every evening and they would let me come as well. And so if you can find somebody who's doing the things that Gurbani talks about, like if you can find like we can use Gurbani as a kaswati and think okay this is Gurbani saying find this kind of person who has this kind of values or characteristics and then if we can if we can if we have a genuine desire and if we seek those people out and if we're in the right place I feel like we can learn a lot I'm not saying I have there's mm -hmm. lots of great people that I've met which I honestly, I feel like I've let down because I haven't been the greatest student or even a good student. But I feel like, you know, God is so, you know, that we're so blessed to have a human birth. And I'm so blessed to be in a Sikh family, to be born in a Sikh family, to have access to Sangat. There's probably, you know, there's a billion people in the world who don't even have access to water, let alone things like, transport or clothes to wear for the day or uh, you know, those kind of basic needs so I feel so fortunate that you know, it's 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 a blessing so yeah. I think if we 
come from that position, then those blessings will just multiply and will will be introduced to those people. So there's a, a few things there. So you've mentioned a couple of times is to pray, but so that power of Ardas. Um, when I was coming into Sikhi, it was the same thing. I once asked on a, a group, how do you find this sadhsang that Guru's talking about? And it really impacted me. And the person wrote on there is to find that sangat, you've got to start to become that sangat. So that's the second thing is do your ardas and start to make those little steps and figure out who you want to become. And, and those people will come to you. That's how I met Benji and you guys as well was, you know, doing that heartfelt ardas. But also, and I don't mean it in a cheesy way, but this attitude of gratitude. So you're saying, you know, when you come from the kind of background I came from, you know, you look for these things, but that's not necessarily true. Um, some people will look for the opposite. They'll find reasons for why life is hard, why people aren't trustworthy, whereas you're looking at, at gratitude and basically using that to for yourself to, to further develop yourself. Yeah, Darshan Kaur says I've become a senile old man and grumpy <laughs> as well. And um, I think I've had lots of negative experience. We, we used to have this Thai boxing coach who, you know, when you're, when you're doing interclubs and training and you're potentially fighting, you're putting your life in this person's hands. That's how I used to see it. And then there was a little bit of uh, trust issues there. We, it was to do with money. And then so that, that kind of really calloused me a bit mm. because it made me very apprehensive about trusting people in that kind of guru position, that teacher yeah. position about mm. who you choose to be your teacher. You, I think yeah. that, that calloused me towards that. And then that's happened again later on as well when I got into Sikhi. So I feel like you you have to you have to be careful as well. You have to think, okay, well, Gurbani is saying find people like this, but it's also saying, you know, where there's Nindya, that place is a shopper mm. and you know, like you have to be you have to have the courage to distance yourself yeah. as well and think, well actually this isn't this isn't right. And I think you can take the positive from those scenarios as well, which which would be ideal, and and I probably need to do more of that. But I feel you do need to be, you do need to have the courage and the self confidence to think actually, you know what? As much as I love this person, mm -hmm. this this person is not right for me to yeah. actively seek out to spend time with, and I need to have the courage to change my sangat. Yeah, and I feel like you have different sangat in your life at different times. So it's just because, you know, certain people have helped you at a certain time in your life doesn't mean that then you necessarily have to stay there and, and Guru will bring in whoever you, you need to be um, having that company of who you need to learn from at, at different points. So I think that's really important as well that you're not just thinking, oh, you know, this person helped me out, so I owe them. Or even with family, like you talked about your brother and I kind of come similar background, you know, just that typical Punjabi background where there's a lot of, you know, lots of things going on, which I didn't necessarily feel comfortable with. Um, but that doesn't mean just, you know, it, it means that I'm there for my family, but it doesn't mean that I have to continue partaking in that because they brought me up kind of thing, which I think, you know, is another conflict that, that comes up for us is, like you said, was, you know, we've got this other kind of life that's coming towards us as spirituality. And then you've got all the people who you're maybe not leaving behind, but you're kind of like, that's not for me. So how do you kind of balance that without upsetting your own family, but then not compromising the kind of life that you want to lead? Yeah, I think basics did, I was listening to a basics talk on this yesterday. I think it was by, by Mandeep Singh and he was talking about um, if your family want to go to parties 
and you don't want to go how do you manage that kind of situation mm. i thought his advice was brilliant for somebody seems young to you know the basics guys are really wise um and he was talking about how you you've got to just go with like each individual scenario uh, on a case by case basis so he said he's he's gone to some parties and then he's left early because he you know he he just say you know it's not his thing and his his family are great enough to accept that for me in the, in my training days i would miss weddings i would miss parties i would just i wouldn't miss training mm-hmm. and my mum kind of gave up on me in the sense that she knew i wasn't going to obligate to any kind of family commitment and she she probably yell at me about it but then that was she couldn't mm-hmm. physically force me to go somewhere once my brother passed away that changed because now she she um she doesn't my brother would always go so it was okay cuz there was a representative from the family and so now i again i'm really blessed similar to vaisab that i have a a family who understands so i will i will do certain things and go to certain things um and then i will also say no to certain things my mum is probably the the closest relationship i have in my my family so she she can probably twist my arm and get me to do <laughs> stuff that i don't want to do but generally with the others they think oh he's the religious one if he's if he says no we can't really force him or <laughs> you know my grand won't say certain things to me cuz you know she might say it to somebody else so mm. can you get him to come to this thing or you know um but they they are really good like that but i think the training side made me more selfish i think as i've gotten older i've gotten a bit more sensitive to how my actions make other people feel and how it might impact other people and how actually I'm in a marriage now and I do have some responsibilities in terms of family and all of those kind of things and I think it's it's hard for guys because they're trying to manage their relationship with their family which guys I don't think from the guys I know they're not as good as that as as women are potentially and they're trying to obviously they potentially have in-laws there's a lot of dynamics there's friends from different might be from college from university from sangat there's lots of relationships that they have to manage but i'm getting close to 40 now and my realization is that i just need to be selfish and i just need to make sure i'm okay mm-hmm. because if i'm not not okay then it's kind of like what is it what's the point of it all mm-hmm. and you know the other people those other stakeholders at the end of the day if they love me they want the best for me they want me to be happy and if all of these other interactions or commitments are making me unhappy then i need to just take a step back and look after myself cuz no one else can do that for me so one of the things i say to dashko is like no one else can manage my mental health right mm-hmm. a bit like going to the gym no one yeah. else can go and do press ups yeah. for me or go and eat the right foods for me or or go to sleep at the right time for me i i have to be disciplined enough to do that for myself mm-hmm. but other things like you know going to a social engagement or doing this thing or not doing it other people couldn't potentially do that or understand so it's just i feel like the older you get the more as a male there's that shabad isn't there about bella pyar lagata and then goes to the 10th like 9th or 10th phase is your grumpy old man <laughs> and i feel like i'm at getting at that grumpy old man phase and now i'm becoming a bit more selfish looking after myself and thinking you know i know yeah. the kids need me i know dashko needs me but i yeah. really need this for myself sure and you you kind of sorry Okay. You you're kind of calling it selfish which is a it's a loaded term but actually I I wouldn't necessarily call it that and I think that's the issue so what you're saying is brilliant for me it's about priorities as as you get older and wiser you you learn to set those priorities um 
So you can only give out what you've got. So if you're and if you end up being full of resentment and anger because you're having to have keep everybody happy, then that's what you're going to give out when you go to all these places. So I wouldn't say it's about being selfish. And I think when we call sorry to you, but um, when we call it being selfish, automatically it makes us want to step away from it and not do it. Because culturally we're taught, you know, this is about seva, we should be selfless beings. But actually, yeah, that's a stage we can get to at, at some point. But unless we're willing to take out that time for ourselves or what keeps us well, physically, mentally, spiritually, then we're, we're not going to be any use to anybody else, in, especially, you know, our wives or husbands or children and parents. Um, so I think that's really important just to say that. Mm. I was going to say as well that um, it's been a journey to get to this point in terms of you know, like we, we all change and marriage and having children and all of that, it transforms you and you, we have to learn the lessons we have to learn, right, to, to keep going and to keep sane. So because with yourself, like you you have very much wanting to be everything for all of us, right, the, the perfect husband, the perfect parent, and then, you know, with family as well, trying to just trying to, you know, keep everybody happy. Um and then that slowly over time, it has changed, but it's taken time, isn't it? It's been a journey to get to the point where you're like, yeah. actually, I need to really prioritize my well-being. Yeah. And it's a, it's a work in progress. Like when my yeah. brother passed away, I thought, oh, you know, I really want to support my niece and nephew. I really want to support my bubby. And then I was thinking, oh, I've got 10 people that I need to support, like just in my yeah. immediate family. And I was like, okay, I need to earn this much. I need to work this many hours to be able to do that. And I do feel like as males, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And it was my mum and my gran who just, they would say, and you know, you really got to, just as long as you're okay, you know, everything else is going to be fine. And mum would say, don't, don't take too much stress on about kind of mm. stuff. It's as long as you're right. That's the important thing. And I feel males, they have this, and probably human beings, they have this underlying desire to be loved. And I think a lot of my actions have stemmed from that. So when you when you grow up in a single parent family, you might not get that kind of love and attention just because the, the your parents' bandwidth is spread so thin from so many different commitments. And then you're looking for that in relationships as you get into your teenage years. And then you look for that in marriage. And then it's it's like... And you find it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and and it's like it's like there's a, there's this emptiness that needs to be filled and, mm. and there's this peace of mind that needs to be achieved which I feel like was happening in that university phase yeah. and then I think there's this underlying staring wheel of what this desire to be loved and accepted and I think that that molds people or drives it drives me so I would I would do anything for you know to be, to be loved so I would do things that potentially I, I they don't I don't want to do yeah but I don't want to not be loved and not accepted and I think mm. I think that's it that's something that comes with age as well that you you realize actually am I doing this for me or am I doing this just to be accepted or just to get some PR from somewhere yeah what would you say would be the Gurbani perspective of that I'd have to think about that. If we could have a long pause and then edit it out. But there's Gurbani Shabbos related to everything, right? Mm -hmm. I remember going to India and there was these two Gursikhs and they would converse in Gurbani Shabbos. 
So yeah, they wouldn't say anything else outside of Gurbani. It would just be one would say Shabad, the other one would say Shabad, and have a conversation in this way. So there, there's not anything that isn't covered in Gurbani, but um, you know, Jin Prem like Gurbani talks about the importance of love, and but everything in Gurbani is steered towards God. Mm-hmm. But then we have our relationships, and all of these things are a manifestation of God, and we have. Like all of these relationships, like Guru Six used to explain that the person you do the most Simran with in your past life, that's the person you get to be married to. Yeah. So that's the that's the this responsibility within this birth is to do as much Simran as you can together. So and potentially if you're doing that kind of stuff, then you experience that love, but it comes from comes from God, that fulfillment, that feeling of that emptiness comes from God as opposed to looking at looking for it in outside things that yeah. aren't going to fulfill it. Yeah. yeah and and I'm, not, I'm not at that stage. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, it's still good to have that awareness, right? So for, for me, I can relate a lot to that. And even though I didn't come from a single parent family, you know, I have both parents, it was still that, you know, there's that's some, the kind of hole that you have inside of you and you're constantly searching for attention and not, you know, like attention seeking behavior necessarily, but just wanting that feeling of love that you're talking about. But for me as well, you know, more recently it is, has been actually, this is what my guru is telling me that you're not going to find it outside of yourself. It doesn't matter how many people you please. And I'm, you know, chronic, have been a chronic people pleaser. But in the end, it just led to a lot of internal resentment. Um, but actually coming on this path of Sikhi in a different way now is just realizing, actually, I, I can find that inside of myself. And if I take that time out, actually, to find it inside of myself, I can be so much better as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, as as Sangat as well. So, you know. I'm not saying I'm there yet either, but but it's definitely something worth considering is what, again, what are we prioritizing? And if you had, because I'm thinking of people that message me on Instagram and places that I've been in, and you you potentially have someone who's doing the right stuff, they're doing the part, they're trying to do Sangat, but they don't have necessarily that that close connection mm-hmm. with anybody that, to do Duk Suk, mm-hmm. and they potentially, they're not happy you know, and they they might be suffering from a problem like the low mood or something. And so what what do you say to those people? Because you know, it's it's difficult when you're in that position, isn't it? When you're in that yeah. kind of cave or that dark place or you've got that cloud looming over you mm-hmm. and people are like, Oh yeah, do your part, do your simran mm-hmm. and they're like, Yeah, I am I am. Yeah. I think that the biggest thing that stands out for me is so, you know, Guru says, do that koj within your own heart. Um, and then your prashanya, like your worries go away. And it's not as simple as that. So there's two things that I take from that Shabad. One is we've got to search again within. The search is not without, like it's this person causing it or it's this situation causing it. What is going on within me? But also as that search deepens, for me, it's been, it was first, it was Koj of Gurbani, like really trying to understand. It's not enough to just read Gurbani. We have to right, start to try to understand it. We have to start to live it. But the thing that's really helped me to get deeper with that is is a Simran practice because then I'm, you know, when you want a relationship of love, 
the first thing you need to do is to get to know that person. You've got to spend time with them to get to know them. And then slowly that PR builds like it just, it's a spontaneous thing. Mm. And so for me, it's like, okay, I've got to spend time to figure out what is my guru actually saying, even if I'm reading it in English. But then if guru's pointing me inwards, then I've got to spend time with myself. I've got to sit not got to but you know now it's like I want to I want to sit with myself I want to figure out and find out you know Guru's telling me this Jod Sarup is within me that why Guru's within me so actually sitting and doing that and it's not an easy practice by any means it is really difficult mm. but I think you know like you've said reaching out to that Sangat if you can see that someone's doing something differently and it's working for them reach out to them you know do something different than what you're already doing Yeah. And try and make that connection. It's not going to be a spontaneous, you know, all of a sudden everything's, you know, okay. It is does take time as with anything. But the question I always have in my mind is what's the alternative? Because if you've been doing what you've been doing all this time and you're still ending up in the same place as, as a coach, right? Then at some point you've got to do something differently to have a different outcome as well. Mm. I feel like males, sorry to interrupt you, I feel like males are, are not very good. Like I could probably count on my hands that the males who, if they were going through a problem, mm. they would reach out and say to somebody, look, I need yeah. to talk to mm. you about this, right? Yeah. Like the me kind of male who's self-assured enough to be able to do that is probably one in sure. a million. And I feel like that's a problem because mm. then you're you're just suffering in silence. Mm. And when I had my daughter, when I when we had outdoor that was should have been one of the most blissful times of my life you know she's she means the world to me um but i was so overwhelmed with everything that was going on that it was actually a really difficult period and if i had just reached out to some of my friends and said you know what i'm really i'm really struggling here mm -hmm. they even just a reassurance that just that hansla mm -hmm. it would have melt, felt like so much mm -hmm. but it's just this It's just this thing I think that I have that, oh, you can't show weakness. Mm. You have to have this bravado. You you know, it's like, um, it's not okay to have conflict with your wife and to be able to talk to a friend about it and that mm. kind of stuff. And I feel like that is very toxic because mm. a lot of bad things come as a consequence of sure. when you're in that mindset. And that's one thing I want to say. The other thing is there are people who have messaged me who feel like they don't have anybody mm. that they can reach out to you and then the third thing is I've been in the situation where I don't want to go inside I just you know I'm not in the right frame of mind where I just think oh, I'll sit for five minutes do similar and five minutes mm. just feels like it's an hour I just mm. think I oh, forget I just turn the mm. timer off and mm. watch tv Netflix <laughs> or something but um mm. or you know like you might be reading part and you're you're suffering but you just can't you just can't connect mm -hmm. So I think it's better place that actually you answer the question having had oh, those experiences. Because <laughs> what, what you're always like looking up self-development and since the moment I married you, I was like, oh my God, this guy's like, you know, going to like conferences and like Anthony Robbins and like you're always doing something and like, you know, gratitude journals and all of that. But what, what are kind of the main things do you feel that have kept you afloat or got you through some of the difficult times? Yeah, for me, it's been training mostly. Okay. And when, when Baji passed away, I had some counseling because you recommended I have some counseling because <laughs> I was getting uh, angry a lot. Yeah. And um, after about nine months, I gave in and I had, I think, about three or four sessions. And uh, 
the council was like, you know, who do you, who do you talk to? And I was like, I don't talk to anybody. I said, and um, he was like, maybe you should talk to somebody. And I was like, isn't that what you're here for? Um, <laughs> and he was like, oh, when did you not feel like this? I said, oh, when I was training, I felt so happy. Everything was great. And he was like, oh, do you still train? I said, no. He was like, why don't you start training? <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, all right then. And then I stopped having counseling um, and I started training. And then I, I just felt so much better. And it wasn't it wasn't necessarily talking about issues. Never sure. really talked to those guys about that I was struggling because I missed my brother or anything like that. It was more that this group of guys just takes you out of the frame of mind you're in, mm -hmm. puts you in a different frame of mind, mm -hmm. positive things are happening, the training, endorphins and all of that kind of stuff. And and you feel better within your own skin because you feel stronger, yeah. you feel fitter, you you know, you don't struggle to get up the stairs and all sure. of that kind of stuff. And all of, the, all of that positive feedback loop just mm -hmm. helped me feel better at that period of time. But training might not be the right, sure. th like, go-to solution for everybody. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize that even though it doesn't feel like it's a natural thing that you can do to speak to somebody, it doesn't mean it's not the right thing for you. So, you know, as a woman, for me, I, I've, I had to always struggle to speak to people as well. I've always kept things on the inside. I've always tried to support everybody else, but not deal with my own stuff. So it wasn't natural for me. And, and the same thing, you know, counseling was suggested and I kept refusing it, kept refusing it. And then I took it up and, and it did open up a new world for me. And now Benji knows you can't shut me up. I'll tell, I'll tell everybody everything. <laughs> There's no boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really important. So one of the things that I take is when we look at Gurbani, you know, the gurus, their emotions are all in there. Like, you know, if you take Shabad Hazare, you know, when Guru Arjan Dev Ji gets sent away from, from Guru Ram Das Ji, like they're pouring their heart out into those letters. They're, they're telling them how they feel. And I think it's really important that there's this cultural identity that we've got is that, you know, men should be this masculine, you know, strong on the outside and they shouldn't let any, but anything touch them. But is that reality and is that is that what, you know, our, our kind of, the people who we look up to, is that who they are? If you think of the most well-rounded male that you know, what, what are their habits? And I, I know that's something that you will do as well. You know, you kind of look into people and see how they've done things. So I guess my question is, is just because it's difficult, not just because, but because it's difficult for men to talk about things, does that mean we have to? that they shouldn't talk about them. I don't think society, and I'm talking about my own personal experience. Mm. So when I was, when I speak to Darshan Kaur about, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to go speak to this person or if, or, you know, she's, she's confessed to me that she feels like, oh, why does he, why doesn't he just do, you know, part or similar? Like yeah, she, right. You know, she's a psychologist. Yeah. And, she, and, and even she falls victim to that. So I think it is, a very common thing for males to feel like they can't talk about their issues. They have to put on this persona. Everything is always fine. Yeah. They're the, the tough, strong one and everything's in hand. Mm -hmm. And actually it's not okay to show weakness. It's not okay to show vulnerability. And um, I've experienced that. I went to uh, a camp recently and one of the Sevadas had heard a talk I had done on, on suicide prevention and he said, oh, you know, I've never experienced any problems. So I don't really understand people who experience problems like mm. where they're coming from. And I, for me, I, I felt bad because I, I put my 
kind of heart on my sleeve when I'm talking about mm. stuff. And this guy is saying, There's, that never happens to me. It must just mm. be you. Mm. And so it's society and everybody is kind of, is reinforcing that, that message that mm. it's not okay. Yeah. And I think then it's very difficult to, you know, share your duksuk. I was thinking about, you know, when you were struggling with Jap, for example, or any points that you've struggled and you've kind of, I've been aware of it or whatever. And um, I remember reflecting on it and thinking, when you talk to me about your struggles, I struggle with that. <laughs> you know, if I'm really honest, things have changed now a little bit. Um, but, you know, when when we were when we were both really, you know, struggling, I think seeking support within the marriage is a tricky one because usually if one partner struggling the other one is two and when we had the two little ones very close in age and I was just just about coping and you were just about coping you know you were, we were both sleep deprived and you know if one of us starts saying we're struggling the other one's like yeah well I'm struggling you know it was it's, it's that like kind of therapy, isn't it's, it? <laughs> but it's like that's the thing it's like um I think you're right there is a, a and uh, you know if there's any women listening to this podcast as well just reflecting on like how do you truly what what comes up for you when your partner says I'm I'm really struggling the message I get is it's not okay to yeah. tell my wife what I'm feeling yeah because I'm that message is constantly reinforced so it's like okay I'm getting this little little light bulb in my brain um there's not much mm. going on in this so it's very easy to have space for a light bulb <laughs> Light bulb goes off and it's, it's not okay to tell Darshapur yeah. about like when I have a problem with something. Yeah. So, okay, I need to find some other way of dealing with this. Yeah. And, you know, luckily I have some friends who I can call and just talk about something else. And sometimes it, it just snaps me out of it or, or helps in that moment. But not everybody has that. And and so, yeah, it's, it is very challenging. And when you hear about scenarios where worst case scenarios have happened and yeah. All of this kind of stuff happens. You, yeah. you know, I feel duk. I feel like this person's uh, uh, in sangha. They've been born into sikhi, and I wasn't there to support this person, or yeah. or we didn't support this person as a community. And I feel like it's it's shame on us. Um, it's that we've made it not okay for people to talk about when they have a problem. Yeah, and I was thinking on the converse, like whenever I would come to you with a problem, for example it would be really good. I'd find it really helpful because you would listen. You'd just listen and, you know, you wouldn't be like, okay, you need to do more Simran. <laughs> we need to do more part. It would just be, even though if that was a solution that would really help me, um, like, you know, honestly, like if we're talking yeah. honestly, you know, if I'd come to, even now sometimes when I feel overwhelmed, I'll be like, you know, I'm really struggling and I'll, I'll just cry or I'll, you know, um, speak about it and then you just listen and I'm learning slowly from that which is that sometimes I just need to I need to create that space where I'm just listening I don't have to jump in with solutions and and you know we say that in it women are better at listening and men are better at problem solving but I think for I think me it's, it's the other way around, around. I, I feel like we all have this need to be heard yeah and that need is really important to to satisfy it's very yeah. hard to not feel heard and to go through life feeling like you don't have a voice or your opinion isn't, yeah. it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. And I was also thinking, you know, like in terms of marriage, thinking about marriage since we're talking about it, like, you know, I think we really struggled early on a lot of the reason because of that was because, 
you know, you believe your marriage is going to solve everything and you believe that it's got to be everything for you. Like your partner is going to be your confidant, is going to be your support, is going to be, you know, you're going to be a team. You got all this, you've got all these conditions, this conditioning around what marriage is going to be. And then when that doesn't happen, it's like, oh my gosh. And then slowly, I think you learn that marriage isn't, you know, it's it's not the solution in terms of there are loads of benefits and with Guru's grace, it's an opportunity to further your spirituality as well but it's really it's it doesn't have to be like if if you don't feel like you can speak to your wife is, or I don't feel that I can reach out to you it's okay, I find it's okay to have other avenues where you can connect to and be like okay look I can speak to this person I can I can deal with that there or you know don't Amazing know what you thing. think yeah, I, I totally agree. So, you know, and, and in my experience, you know, again, it was the flip side, you know, I felt like I really wanted to talk to my husband when I was going through such dark times, but it was the same, you know, it was like, I'm struggling as well. And he just didn't know how to listen. He didn't know how to hold that space if someone's upset because he's never been taught. So for me, it was the same realization that, you know, the kind of the units we live in right now is, you know, my husband or my wife should be everything for me. But if we look historically, even culturally, you know, women had, you know, their kind of sangha, you know, the other women in the family or their friends they would go to, and men would have other men. And they wouldn't necessarily talk in the same way that women do, but there, there would always be an outlet. There would always be somebody you could go to, you know, even if it was, you know, the guru or it was the pradhan or somebody, an elder, a wiser person that you can go to and you can you can kind of release that. And I think that's really important. So, you know, we know the power as a psychologist, you know, through counseling, through coaching, between the three of us, we know the power of just holding that space and being non-judgmental, showing empathy. And you're not always going to get it from your family members. You're not even necessarily going to get it from who you think your friends are, but it's a case of finding that somewhere, whether that's a professional service or whether that's, you know, uh, somebody you respect in the sangha, you know, people are reaching out to you, Vijay, and it doesn't mean that you have to be there and save everybody, right? But it means that people are taking that first step to reach out, and it might be that you can then, you know, um, what's the word? Signpost, Signpost them, yeah, to to a, a, another service or another person. And I, I feel like we don't necessarily have one big solution, but the fact that we're having these conversations, the fact that you have the courage. To, to come on here and, and people will watch this, that's a huge step. So to know that actually you don't always feel like the Bart or the Simran is helping or you don't always feel like you can talk to your family members, that's really important. But always know that there is something and different things are going to work for different people. And I guess for us as a community is figuring out what can we offer to, to make sure that people have something that they can reach to. One of the thoughts of piggybacking off what you said was our education system. So with my kids are in school, our kids are in school, mm -hmm. and they're taught math, science, mm -hmm. English, yeah. but they're they're not taught soft skills like how yeah. do you how do you manage your emotions? Yeah. How do, what do you do when you're feeling down? Mm -hmm. Like what do you do when you're feeling angry? What do you do if someone speaks to you a certain way? Yeah, sure. You know, like how all of those things are probably more important than math, English, mm -hmm. and science are in terms of somebody's outcome in life. Mm. And we, we all know how important emotional intelligence is in terms of worldly success as well, but none of those things are taught in school, sure. the whole education system. And I'm probably gonna get grilled by any teachers out there, but the whole education system is focused around academics and, mm. and rote learning and how much can you memorize and, yeah. 
Uh, whereas all of the things that matter when you're at my age as a male, mm-hmm. getting towards middle age, all the things that matter that yeah, school. I don't remember ninety percent of what I learned in school. Probably maybe ninety five percent. But what I do really need to know is how do I communicate with my wife? Sure. How do I have a good relationship with my son? Mm-hmm. How do I talk to my friend when I'm struggling with something? Mm-hmm. All yeah. of those things nobody yeah. teaches. Apart I, I from think, basics. Well, I think that's really important, Vijay. Again, you know, being part of the solution rather than the problem. So the biggest thing that we can do for the next generation is model that. So I've seen that in my house, the more that I've learned, and it's been, a, it's been a difficult road for me to connect to my emotions, to connect to my body, you know, to admit when, when I'm not feeling hundred percent, but just modeling that, just saying out loud, actually, you know what, M- mommy doesn't feel too well at the moment. And can you, can you give me a hug or can I talk to you about it? I had a situation recently where I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. I was unhappy about something. But I, I, I would keep asking the children, I was like, what do you think I should do? Because I'm quite, I'm, I'm upset about it. Um, and, and they would give me advice. And that was amazing because for me, they were actually helpful. They were saying the right things. But also it was modeling for them that when they, if they find themselves in that situation themselves, mm. that they know that they can come and talk to me or they can talk to each other or they can talk to somebody about it. And it's okay to not have all the answers. If we act as parents or you know, some as a person in the community, as if we have all the answers, then straight away that that blocks it off. But if you admit that when, you know, I think Bajit Singh's doing an amazing job as well, right? So he's being really open and honest about mental health. And I think that's that's a huge part of it. But also, you know, some of the things that we've been trying to do is bring like mindfulness into our local primary school as well. And, you know, there's, there's been an uptake and that's brilliant. But, you know, we start from our own home. Um, you know, whether it's our brothers and sisters, whether it's our parents, and then we we become part of that solution because, you know, the teachers, they've been taught a certain way and they don't have much time to do anything outside of that. Whereas if we can, can model that and then offer that and go into the schools and talk to the children, talk to the teachers, then, then we can be part of that solution as well. I want you to talk about Bollywood okay. because my mum used to rent VHSs from, uh, if anyone knows South or where Featherston is, there's a like Puri Chemist or something. And they, you could, for a pound, you could rent a Bollywood film, watch it for a week and then go back and then get another one. So we, we spent our whole childhood watching Bollywood films. And um, it was uh, the positive out of that was I learned Hindi. But apart from that, you get conditioned that this is what life is going to be like. You're going to meet this person. You're going to run through a field. You're going to hug them and then the rest of your life is going to be happy. This explains a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I was really shocked when you didn't. Run through the field with you. (laughs) I just kept running and nobody else was there. Um, If you ever see me running around slow, you know what I'm doing. Still waiting for the day. But that conditioning, I think, is a problem now because people get into relationships and they get divorced very quickly because they... they, um, they don't realize that actually all of that is false and that might be a very short period of time in a relationship, Mm -hmm. but then, then very quickly the challenges come and you have to get through all of those challenges to still have a relationship. And the way you get through those challenges is really important in a relationship because like things that you say, you can't take back. So, and we, we don't learn those skills. What are your top tips? 
what are the what have been like the top five things you know that that you would say look if if you're struggling male yeah i think males have a lot of ego and i think that's a big problem because in a relationship you um you have this ego that I shouldn't be spoken to like this or this person, you know, no one can get away with saying this to mm. me or that kind of stuff. And then you're in a relationship and you're like, what did she just say? <laughs> <laughs> did I hear that right? Can you say that again? <laughs> um, and so that can hurt and it can, it can really, it can really rock you in terms of your ego, your sense of self and your, your pride and your confidence and all of those kind of, image that you build about yourself and, and that can shatter it and I think it's difficult as a male to have to take that because in, in a normal relationship or a friendship you wouldn't you wouldn't take that kind of relationship where it's where someone's saying negative things to you but then you're married and you you have to and you have to figure out a way of getting through it and letting go and all of those kind of things so I think if you can do anything to help with your ego uh is really helpful so that's probably why i struggled so much but that's that's a big thing i think with males it's like and the other thing is i think the dynamic has changed so yeah we as males we can't think oh yeah i'm the male so i'm gonna tell you what to do and you know i'm gonna be the breadwinner and it's you're gonna live with my mom and do her seva and all that kind of stuff because i think now the dynamics have changed and women are working as well. They want like equal a voice in a relationship. And I think it's important to be aware of that. That is much more of a partnership now than it used to be back in the days where you could just do whatever you wanted and the wife would just be like, okay. What about from a female perspective? Gosh, I think this is a long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest that thing for me okay. has been learning how to communicate. Like that is... That is the biggest thing that my husband and I have, we've had to learn to, to have a healthy relationship is to just be able to say what you're feeling. And I've learned it out of a book, to be completely honest. I've learned it through nonviolent communication or compassionate communication. So again, for me, it was, okay, he's been brought up a certain way. I've been brought up a certain way. We're both people pleasers, which isn't a healthy thing, which means we're always repressing how we feel and what we think in order to keep the peace, but it builds up. And then it, it, you know, it's the volcano effect. So what I learned was actually I've got to learn how to express what my needs are in a non-confrontational um, way and just say this is, and I take ownership, like this is how I feel. It doesn't mean you're making me feel like this. It's just how I feel about the situation. I get, it comes down to truth at the end of the day. This is my perception on it, but this is what I need as well. So would, would you be able to do that? And I, I don't necessarily use these really kind words that I'm using now, but I make the effort to do that. And I think by doing that, he, he's learning to do the same for me. And for me, even though I know it's more difficult for him to do that, it's my, I feel, feel like it's my place to be constantly asking him, not constantly, but asking him consistently those questions like, are you okay? Is this okay? Would you mind if I did this? Or would you mind if you didn't do that? And just be open to that conversation, like you said, without the egos getting in the way and and just be like, actually, that's okay. I think the most important thing is I I will try and invest as much time as I can, not into my husband, not into my children, 
but into myself. And the more that I'm investing into my own self-development to make myself a better person, the more that is then influencing my relationships with my husband, with my children and, and the outside family. There's so much work to do yet. But I find that as I improve in terms of recognizing who I am and where I need to work, everything else improves as well around that. I think, again, focusing on the self has really helped me because uh, I mean, maybe we need some tips from you guys about communication because I don't think we've mastered that. But it's not been a problem because we're both, I think, really working, trying to work hard on ourselves as individuals and not expecting so much from each other mm -hmm. that we're just and I think that allows us to appreciate each other like especially for example you've been working more than normal and our dynamics changed and I think that you know I'm it's having to focus on myself and um, not expect so much from you has allowed me to just appreciate the time we have together so I think it's the expectation yeah. that That causes problems in marriage like yeah. you should be doing this or why aren't you doing this and that usually mm. for me that stemmed for so long from I'm not happy it's your fault <laughs> there's always a person there to blame like mm. if something's going wrong in within me then it's got to be my husband's fault it's because he didn't put the socks in the laundry basket you know <laughs> did. he didn't <laughs> but I don't mind you know like that's the thing like I if know. I'm if I'm mm. on on top of my self-development then th a lot of things can be overlooked. And I feel that's the same with you. Like if you've filled your mm -hmm. cup, you're you're doing good kind of internally. You've done your training, you've done your simmering. You can overlook some of my flaws because we're not perfect, right? We're always getting yeah. things wrong. Yeah, I um, think it's but, that taking responsibility for yourself and knowing that person's not going to complete you yeah. it is the biggest thing. No knowing that you are the only person that can make you happy. Yeah. What do you think, Lisa? I'm trying to think of it from a male perspective because yeah. there's going to be scenarios where somebody isn't in a relationship or they yeah. are or they're further down the line, they've been married for a long time and that those things aren't an issue. And thinking from the male perspective, I think all of those things resonate. You you have to be kind of happy within yourself and then everything works itself out. Yeah. But you can't have expectations of anybody regardless mm. of whether they're a partner or a parent or because mm. you will get let down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not really fair on us to have expectations of other people that they are, are my mom, so they should do this. Or, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, it's like, who who says they should? Everyone's just trying to do their best. Yeah. Um, and, and when you are happy, then it will reflect in other relationships. You'll, you'll be better at managing the husband-wife dynamic or mother-son dynamic, all of those types of things. And I think... Ideally, you know, Maharaj is telling us, um, you know, to have that humility, forgiveness and sweet speech. And, and that's, you know, it doesn't come easy for all of us, but it is definitely something that we can work towards is if we can have that bit of humility, let go of things that have happened in the past. That's a big thing that will keep coming back over and over again. And just, you know, just working, you know, it's on our internal talk because we will talk to others how we talk to ourselves. So if we don't have compassion for ourselves, then we're not going to have compassion for the other. So that's going to be a big part of that as well. Are there any kind of services or any kind of information or resources that you might want to plug? Yeah, I think maybe we could put them in the uh, description. So there are lots of organizations trying to do some good work for men's mental health, um, Seek Forgiveness, Turkey. They've got some initiatives out there. 
um, but we will put some more detailed, uh, more, a more detailed description of those in the comments. There's an eight-week course that's run a couple of times a year, and it's a healing and a self-discovery um, course, and um, it's open to both men and women. And it's a combination of science, psychology, Gurbani, Sikhi. And the main thing is it's focused on kind of practical uh, tools um, that we can embed within our lives to just help us to be more happier and more connected spiritually. Um, and so we've we've done, I think, two or three courses of, of the same before, and they've been really incredible, both for us and the participants, and life-changing um, and so we're hoping to, we're running one soon and we'll be running them regularly. So do keep a lookout. And you'll have stuff on BOS TV, right? So people subscribe, then they can keep up to date with yeah. what you're doing. That's right. Thank you so much. It's been, thank, thank you. you for being so open. Nice and <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being so open and honest about your experience. And um, it's been really valuable and I've learned some new things about you as well. And this is just very narrow experience. And if I said anything to offend anybody, you know, it was not my intention. And it's just one experience out of many billions which are valuable. So it'd be great to have, if you want to come on the show, leave a comment in the yeah. comment box below. It'd be great to have different life experiences, different opinions. And if you want us to speak about anything in particular, please do comment on the comments box and we would love to explore certain topics that you're interested in further. And don't forget to subscribe to BOS TV. Just before we finish, do you mind taking us through some guided meditation, a little bit of simmering together? Sure. So let's just take a moment to settle the mind and just connect to the breath for a few moments. Tuning into the breath as it flows in and out of the body. That breath, that swas that's being given by our creator at this very moment. Ape kartha kar kar then the sas girahahe, that gift of the breath. Let's just tune in. And as we begin to chant the mantra, Vahe Guru, as we breathe in, chanting Vahe and listening to the sound of our voice, as we breathe out, chanting Guru and listening. As Gurbani tells us, Tuna Mehatyan, Dhyan Mehajanya, Gurmuk Akat Kahani. That placing our attention in the tun in the sound. Tuna Mehatyan, Dhyan Mehajanya. It's through that process that we come to know Gurmuk Akat Kahani, that internal story of the mind, how it was once connected to Vaigru and how it becomes separate and how we can merge back again. So as we do the Simran, bringing our mind into the present, connecting to the sound of the mantar. Why, Guru? Why, Guru? Why, Guru? Why, Guru? Why, Guru? Why, Guru? Why? Guru, why? Guru, why? Guru, why? Guru, why? 
ਗੁਰੂ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ 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 chanting wahe guru ji ka khalsa wahe guru ji ki fateh